don't sleep, huh? You know, the two buck every now and then you can get, you get your money's worth. What it is, what it do, this is Rambling, your weekly Rams podcast that gives you insight of the team and news from around the NFL. I'm your host and team reporter, Serena Morales, coming at you from beautiful Agora Hills, California, as we head into week four. The Rams are now 3-0 after getting a primetime win on the road against the Browns. Joining me today, he's one of the smoothest guys on the street. Calm, cool, and collected should be written on his state ID because Steve Weiss is just that. You can find him all over NFL Network, and thankfully, he is a guest on the Rambling Podcast. Steve, checking off the bucket list. Checking off the bucket list. That's right. You know, this is about the only thing that would take me off of Eric Weddle's Twitter timeline right now. So I am fired up. You know, he is just the best human to have on a team these days. I got to tell you, he spices it up. He just keeps it 100. I mean, you know, I've known Eric for a long time. He was playing for the Chargers and he has just always been. You know, high IQ, but with that California, you know, 100 honesty. And, you know, you, you just have to love the guy. And that's why he's so respected around the league. He's up by a former wide receiver uh, who used to play with the Steelers, Raiders, and Patriots. Yeah. You know what's funny about Eric Weddle with all of this is I, I was trying to figure out, is it an over 30 thing if an NFL player is like, I'm going to speak my opinion on Twitter. I'm going to go against another player in the NFL, right? Like, is it like, where's the measure there? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's over 30 because if you watch some of the back and forth that some of the young guys do now, I, I just think it's a universal tool defense. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It was fun to see that all play out at practice where I was like, oh, there's Weddle. No phone on the field now. Yeah, and they, they were quick. To, uh, they were talking about it on ESPN LA this morning saying, you know, this doesn't usually happen with the Rams. And I was like, well, yeah, that's why. You know, there's there's reasons why, and right. and he shut it down pretty quick <laughs> as soon did. as practice. It was great. Um, so, Steve, you know, I recently saw you at the Saints uh, Rams home game. I think you know we kind of saw this schedule to be challenging up front. However, the Rams are three and zero. The team is still looking to improve on all fronts. That that's a good thing, right? Like, yeah, we're three and zero, but yes, this team also has some things to fix and work through. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to peak at the, at the first quarter of the season. You know, you, you want to still be evolving and finding your stride and who's doing what. And that's where they are because you see where um, their biggest weaknesses are. Okay, the offensive line. Okay, they've had an injury and they've got two new starters there. Well, you're not expecting those guys to come out of the gate. But by week four, week five, week six, you expect them to have a handle on things. Even for someone like Sean McVay, you can see he is still feeling his way through what this offense does well because, you know, he, he's not calling plays as aggressively yet. He's not doing some of the things we saw them do last year, which tells me he's trying a couple new things out to see what actually works. And that's why Jared Goff hasn't been as great as he's been, why Todd Gurley hasn't really been as good as he's going to be. I mean, the fact that they're not feeding Todd Gurley two and three plays in a row that's that's something we have to get used to I mean they were doing that a lot the last two seasons so they're still figuring some things out and and this team's going to be better but just about every team you know around the NFL uh is going to get better you know even a team like the Miami Dolphins are going to stop losing by double digits by the time we get to week seven (laughs) but week seven okay so you kind (laughs) of led to my next question you know the first month in the NFL is kind of always chaotic so when do you actually 
get when do you think you'll see the Rams really define who they are? Um, you know, it's hard to say this week, you know, be, maybe because of the opponent, because if the Rams come out and look great, you're going to say, wow, you know, they, they only beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are struggling, but if they come out and, and they, and they don't look great, then people are going to be like, wow, they barely beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are really struggling. And that's going to set off more alarms than actual, the fact, Hey, it's the NFL. There is no easy game week after week. So it's, it's a situation with when I see the Rams, I'm thinking once they get into week five, week six, week seven, they've really got to start hitting their stride. I mean, but by Thursday, you know, they play the Seahawks next Thursday, and that is always a tough game, you know, against a division opponent. They've got to be at their best, which is why Sunday's game is going to be real tricky for them. I mean, they, they can't overlook a team like Tampa that's got Mike Evans, that's got some potential to score some points. That's got some position to get, you know. That that's got some potential to get some takeaways. They cannot overlook that um, with their eyes headed to Thursday night short week division opponent. So, you know, I'm thinking right around that Seattle game or week six after they come off the long break after Thursday night. That's when they really need to be finding their footing and, and really kind of showing us what their offensive identity is. I think they've established a defensive identity. But offensively, they're still working through some things. I'm pretty sure Sean McVay is not lost in Seattle in his time <laughs> as the head coach of the Rams, and they ran the table in the division last year. Do you see them like? Do you see? Is it? Does it feel like they're due at some point to drop one of those? Yeah, I mean that's just that's just kind of the law of averages. And look, Seattle's going to be good. Seattle causes a problem because you know a prime example was the Thursday night game this week with Philadelphia and Green Bay. We talked about how great Green Bay's defense looked. Defense looked. And Philadelphia came out there and hammered the ball. Okay, they, they they broke the trend of the early season and they actually ran the football. And that's what Seattle was going to do to the Rams. The Rams have not faced a team that has tried to pound it on. I mean, they, they played the Saints with a backup quarterback when Drew Brees got hurt. You know, they played Cleveland, which didn't try to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Seattle's going to run the ball. Tampa's going to try to run the ball on them. So, you know, these are things that, you know, as great as Aaron Donald and Clay Matthews and Dante Fowler and Corey Littleton, these guys have looked, you know, that challenge is coming. So now we're going we're gonna to find out that way, uh, you know, how, how it's really going to work. I mean, again, teams are starting to establish themselves identity-wise. I think we, there's a lot of teams you don't know about, the Rams being one of them. But they need they need to figure out you know some things over the next two or three weeks. Yeah, you you have covered so many teams throughout your time with NFL Network and just throughout your career. I'm curious because we sit next to each other at times in the media room for the Rams. Is there something that you see like in your peripheral vision like that's very unique about the Rams? Like I can say a bunch of things, but I'm the team reporter. But for you, <laughs> is it like just the Wade Phillips effect or Sean McVay and that? perfectly well done quaff like what is it that you know makes this team like ah, oh, you know what you got something kiddo it's you serena it's you. <laughs> you're, you're, it. you're, you're you're the hot sauce you, you're the you're the hot sauce um no, it's, you know it, it's weird but you know it, and it's crazy to say but like you said i've been around a million teams and, and you see the biggest thing i that i love about my job is you get to see which teams how they operate you know, from the top to the bottom, which buildings have a certain feel of, okay, we're solid, and which buildings are kind of like mom and pop and, and are, are always kind of on that hamster wheel trying to figure things out. And where the Rams are, because, you know, I was here, you know, when they first came to L.A., and I was familiar with them a lot. I spent a lot of time with them when they were in St. Louis. The special thing about what's going on here is what Sean McVay, 
uh, has brought. It is a culture of stressing um, what you do well and how he incorporates what individual players do well into what he does well. Like we're see, we, you see a lot of teams where coaches come in, I've got this great scheme and um, it's really going to help the quarterback. Well, okay, but what does that do for the other 10 guys on the offense? Okay, what does that do for the other 11 guys on the defense? And we're seeing that with some teams around the NFL right now in the early part of the season, that being a good quarterback coach or a good play caller isn't necessarily the formula to having a good football team and developing a good culture. And Serena and Mark, you guys know this. When you talk to players, even on the defensive side of the ball, I've been tight with Andrew Whitworth for 10, 12 years. And he has told me the way that Sean McVay communicates to each individual player and then binds it the way he speaks to the position group in meetings and then binds it bigger when he speaks to the team as a whole. It is an amazing communication skill that no other coach they've had. Eric Weddle has told me this. I mean, these are guys who've been in the league for a long time, a lot of different coaches. And that's why when all of these teams are trying to find the next Sean McVay, they can find it maybe in a play call or a play schemer, but just his his communication ability and the respect ability he has for his players and they have for him and and his coaching staff is absolutely unique. Yeah, for sure. I see that firsthand and it's been pretty uh, impressive to see as a reporter for this team. So I'm I'm with you there. Um, We're going to move on for some news from around the NFL. Um, You and I both follow this, um, this guy on Twitter, Rex Chapman, and I love this account. Um, So I'm trying to play off of that scheme. We're going to do flag or no flag. So I, I want you to oh, okay. I want you to throw the flag if you think that this NFL story is a problem or no flag, right? So we're going to okay. start with Melvin Gordon losing a million dollars, not getting a new deal, Jalen Ramsey having a headache, a baby, and the flu, and playing for a team that he doesn't want to, um, keeping players on your team that you know don't want to be there. Flag or no flag? Okay, the flag is problematic and no flag is not problematic. Correct. So I am going to say no flag. Okay. Okay, because historically, out of 53 players, there's going to be two or three guys who don't want to be there, who clash with their coach, who clash with management, but you figure it out because of the greater good of the team. Okay, now we're seeing a little different a little different element in the NFL. It's like the NBA. I used to cover the NBA because they had guaranteed contracts. Players could... They could force their way out of places. They could force coaches to get fired, X, Y, and Z. Won't happen in the NFL. And a good leader, okay, a good leader can figure out how to make it work. Mm. I don't know if Jalen Ramsey uh, is going to last in Jacksonville. Is that more a condemnation of him or is it more of a condemnation of the leadership of a team that couldn't handle success and fell off the wagon last year? So a lot of different things. And Melvin Gordon, that situation is going to work out fine. Um you know, just some of these other things, but it's not that big of a deal. But with the caveat is it shows, it exposes the leadership of a team. When you talk about leadership, are you talking about specifically coach, GM, owner, or are you talking about team captains, just locker room chemistry as well? All of it. All of it. All of it. I mean, it's, again, there's that, uh, you heard me reference why teams are on the hamster wheel. I'm always trying to figure it out. Okay, there's usually a consistent, there's a usually, you know, consistent be it ownership be a general manager be it head coach there's a consistent element as to why things aren't working there okay that's what i'm talking about there are certain teams that don't go through this and there are certain teams that do even in pittsburgh's down years right 
they're nine and seven. Even with all kinds of turmoil, they figure it out. That's a good point. Oh, you know, so that what leadership can come again. It can come from your locker room. Like the Rams leadership is spectacular, but also the Rams ownership and general manager and head coach spectacular. They're all on the same page and they're going to continue to succeed as long as they are able to keep that paradigm intact. Yeah. It's funny because most people be like, ah, flag, a lot of problems. But I'm like, yeah, I can't, you, you twisted my mind. I was, I was flagging nope. it. He was flagging it. Matt nope. was like, give that thing a no, flag. Yeah, you don't want to play here? Get out. Nope. <laughs> um, Lamar Jackson, he says he hates running and he would rather pass a football. Flag or no flag? <laughs> like, you know, he has legs. Like, he doesn't it's, have to. It's a choice. It's a choice. Yeah, no, no, no flag. <laughs> Come on. Look, I. Like, I played quarterback in high school. I was the dual threat guy. Getting hit is no fun, right? And I played that option football where you're exposing your ribs, you're exposing your numbers, you're taking blows. You're like, man, this is not cool. I'd much rather throw it or do something else where I'm not taking these hits. But you know what I was good at? So I was like, okay, I'll take these looks for the betterment of the team. Not a problem. Lamar Jackson is so much better. I've seen him in training camp. That, that Ravens team is a team no one really talked about. They're going to be good. They're going to be there at the end uh, in that division. Um, so no flag Lamar run the ball if you have to, but you do have the choice to throw it. Just make sure you throw your receivers open if there's a problem. Correct. And finally, <laughs> Carly Lloyd as a kicker for the bucks. Um, so secret donor put out an ad given the <laughs> bucks, uh, kicker, rookie kicker, Matt Gay. He's missed some critical points. So flag or no flag. Oh, I'm no flag in that. <laughs> you want her on the team. Put her on. Anybody. <laughs> their, their kicking woes go back like 10 years. I mean, that is like, you know, that's just like a Dramatic, picture having a hey. Right. I mean, just go go back and look. Uh, the, the guy they drafted in the second round out of oh. SSU, who was a disaster. Yep. I mean, that's like telling a pitcher, like, hey, we're going to help your career. Why don't you go play in Coors Field? Like, what? No. Isn't that where people knock home runs out 27 <laughs> times a game? Yeah, go kick, go kick for the Buccaneers. That's really going to be a big boost on your resume. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, uh, let's move on to Serena's social segment. Oh man! All right, so on Twitter we got an, we got an announcement yesterday about the Super Bowl halftime show this year. J Lo and Shakira. First reactions, and who do you think's hips will lie first? <laughs> oh, I am. Absolutely down with J-Lo and Shakira. It is going to be spectacular. It's going to fit the flavor. I lived in Miami for nine years. It is going to be a home run. And the hips that are going to lie, hey, Shakira, come on. Who can do what she does? <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Either lie or don't lie, whatever, but I'm impressed. It's kind of crazy. Like, as a person, I've been asked a few times, a, a woman – Latina from the Bronx, who's Puerto Rican and Colombian. I was like, did someone just like zap into my brain and go, you know what? We should ask Serena who should be the halftime Jay-Z show. Jay-Z texted <laughs> Serena asking, I was like, who do you the, think is best? How'd y'all put this together? I didn't even put this together. Like, this is insane. Yeah. These things don't happen overnight now. Yeah. This, is, this has been in the works for a minute. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but the crazy thing, again, the whole since they're kind of bringing the flavor to the city, you know, and they never do this, right? And, and when the Super Bowl was in Detroit, they didn't have Motown, they didn't have a research TV. You know, when it was Atlanta, they didn't have Outkast or T.I. or any of those guys. But how can you not have a guest appearance by Uncle Luke? Luther Campbell coming out there 
and just throwing a little bit in there. Halo's good. You know, she's working with Rule and Puppy. She can make it happen. I was I was trying to figure out who the surprise appearance was going to be from either Uncle Luke, Pitbull, Pitbull, DJ Khaled, Rick Ross. It could be. Oh, guys, come on! You're missing the you're missing the boat. You cannot do this type of show with these two incredible women without bringing in the queen of them all, Gloria Estefan. Yeah, it baby. It has to be her. It yeah. has to be Gloria. Yeah, she is the god of Miami. There is no bigger persona in that region and Gloria Estefan. They've got to find a way to get her on stage. Yeah. she's. I think she could still rock it, too. I remember back Heck in the yeah. day, I was just like, oh, my God. She had, like was in a really terrible like bus accident and then yeah. came back from that and just started dancing and doing music. I was like, wait, what? What are you talking about? How, she was injured? What What are you talking She could still do it. I'm in. Absolutely. She'll, she'll come out. She's got to, they got to find a way to bring her up. On I assume prop bets like Pitbull is definitely going to show, even if he just like <laughs> uses his voice. Dale. Yeah. Dale. One time. <laughs> One time is it? <laughs> um, you know, you, it, the, the, you know, DJ Khaled may make a drop here. He's a Miami guy as well. But another one. <laughs> another one. All right, Matt, another one. We got one more question for you. Um, go ahead, Matt. Uh, so in the NBA, they want teams to start sending specific heights and ages of their players. Do you think this is just going to revolutionize sports where we're micro <laughs> inspecting down to quarter of inches? Oh, wait, we already are. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I don't get that. I mean, okay, so Steph Curry is 6'3 without his shoes and 6'3 and a half right. in his sneakers. Correct. Are you not going to draft him or does he move up your, your board? Right. Because of that half inch. It's, it's I, yeah, I don't, no, it's not. I mean, come on, the combine, that's where we find out that Kyler Murray is really 5'10 and 5'8 and not 3'8. So what? then you can move him up your draft board. Correct. Yeah, come on. Do you, no, who, this is and then age wise, you know, I always thought about it, like who in the NFL is lying about their age? Because obviously Tom Brady is like 27. And he's not forty. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom, Tom came into the league when he was twelve. <laughs> so, <laughs> he kind of looked like it in that yeah. picture. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess. I mean, I'm guessing the age thing is because of maybe more international players coming in. Yeah. But so what? <laughs> you know? There's like a so bounce, what a, a bouncer for the league. You got to show ID. Oh my like, god, that'd be hilarious! No, 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 you yeah. can't get in here. You look too young. I'm like, what? He's not seventeen. He's actually twenty-seven. <laughs> so what? Don't oh. sign him to a long-term deal then. Albert Pujols <laughs> is still playing baseball. There you, there you go. Got that sunny, got that sunny Liston birth certificate. I am twelve. <laughs> All right, and then we'll wrap up this podcast. I ask every guest who comes on, if not for football, then what would you do? Because obviously, this you know, football brings us all together. But if football didn't exist. Don't give me another sport, although you can. I'm not going to give you limitations here, even though I just said I don't want another sport. What would you be doing with your life if football did not exist? I would hopefully be a sommelier or a wine taster or a wine tour guide in Central California or Northern California or over in Tuscany, someplace like that, indulging in every vice of mine, which somehow includes wine. That's amazing. When did you... Does that work? That's the perfect answer. I mean, we've gotten everything from Ryan Clark being a principal to uh, oh, God. Trey Wingo being a marine biologist. So it fits It fits all of those things. Um, when? What's your favorite kind of wine? 
Oh, wow. You know, it, it varies, but, you know, I'm really into Chianti's now, but I'm a big Pinot Noir guy. I'm a huge, huge Pinot Noir guy. And up there in the Santa Ynez Valley, they've got some of the best that you can get. So that, that's my wheelhouse at the moment. Okay. Man. What about, what about you, Serena? Because I know you, you're, you're, you, you like the stuff that, that comes in on cubes, you know, that you pour over rocks. I do. But do you get down with the wine? I do get down with wine. I probably go a, a white wine over a, a red, like um, right. like a Sauv Blanc, you know, like a Pinot Gris, you know, because I'm allergic to everything, and red wine makes me look like I'm Shirley Temple with rosy cheeks. And so, Histamines. Here's, here's, here's the trick. Ooh. Take, it, take a non-drowsy allergy pill right before you drink it because a lot of red wines do have histamines in there. Plus, sometimes when you drink red wines, you get a stuffy nose. Oh, that's why I've been. So there you go. That's why I've been sniffling all day. I've had wine all morning. There you go. (laughs) I know. I'm just. I just stick to my scotch. That's actually a great. You know, like maybe post career in sports, we both just like. Okay, you do the wine thing. I'll do the scotch thing, and then we just like open up. Sip and speak. Sip and speak. (laughs) And we'll we'll meet Billy Bob Thornton at Shea J, and I'll have a good time, right? That's the best. Have you been to Malibu Wines yet? I haven't been to Malibu Wines yet. Wines and feet. What's his name? Stanley the Giraffe. Oh, perfect. Have you have you done that, Steve? Are you Malibu Wines? I've I've not, man. I'm too much of a snob. I'll I'll make the drive, you know, two and a half hours north of Santa Barbara, like I said, up to Santa Ynez, and burn a lot more gas, you know, than it takes to go to Malibu just to drink a little bit of. So a little no, bit of the good stuff. No two buck chucks for Steve Watch. No, no he is <laughs> highbrow wine. Don't here. sleep. Don't sleep. I'll, you know, the two buck every now and then you can get, you get your money's worth. <laughs> Box of wine back in college. Oh, Bring it back. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, Steve. Thank you so much for coming on. That's it. That's our ninth episode of Ramblin'. I appreciate you for coming on the pod today. 